just focus on one outcome, one use case, do that in a couple months, learn from it, either fail or succeed, get to the next one, get to the next one, get to the next one, and, and communicate and bring everyone else along. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, hey, episode 57. This week, we're talking all things digital transformation. And I really do mean all things. We've got Shalyan Arkan, one of Microsoft's foremost experts when it comes to digital transformation and manufacturing on the show. And we'll be talking about a wide gamut of areas that digital transformation can make an impact. Now, we do this largely in the context of a post-pandemic study that they did across over 800 industry leaders. And sure, we'll be talking about the impacts that digital transformation has on operations, but we'll also be going into the ways it influences employee engagement, remote work and manufacturing, diversity and inclusion, green initiatives, and more. Shalian knows a lot about this topic, so we have a ton of great examples throughout the episode for us to go off of. Plenty of stories. We'll even find out why he's so passionate about digital transformation in the manufacturing sector as well. Since we do cover so much ground, since this was part of a study that Microsoft recently did, there are a lot of resources from this episode. So make sure you go over to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 57 if you'd like to learn more after this episode wraps up. Before we jump into today's conversation, I do want to say if you are enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would leave us a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you straight to the Apple Podcast platform on your desktop or on your phone. And as always, for the people that are leaving reviews, I do want to give you a shout out. This one came from Anonymous, but nevertheless, this one reads, Great for learning new trends as the headline. Then goes on to say, I found this podcast last week and have really enjoyed the topics and guest speakers. Keep it up. And that's it. That's all there is for that review. Like I've said before, these ratings and reviews don't need to be long. They can be just a couple sentences like this one. So if you're enjoying Manufacturing Happy Hour, head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a five-star rating and review today. And with that, let's dive into today's conversation. We're going to take an audio trip or a digital trip, if you will, to the Seattle, Washington area to meet up with Shalyan Arkan. Shalyan, with, with any of our manufacturing happy hour interviews, the first question has always got to be, if we were having this drink in person, where would we be having uh, this conversation? Like, paint the picture of a spot where we might be hanging out having this discussion. Oh, what a great start. It's a happy start to a happy hour conversation, <laughs> I'll say. Um, so I live in downtown Bellevue, just the, the east side of the lake, Washington. So we are in, on Main Street, one of the you know uh, venues that I like a lot. There's Cantineta as a restaurant, uh, which is my main go-to restaurant. It's essentially an Italian restaurant. They have a great wine list, mostly Italian, and that's that's where we're sitting down and having a glass of wine together. Is that 
Is that okay? Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, that's it's really to set the stage for for the next question, Shalian, which is you know to introduce you to our audience. We're audience. We're speaking to Shalian Arkan from Microsoft, VP of Manufacturing Industry today. So let's say we're having that conversation over some Italian wine, and someone asks you, "What what does the VP of Manufacturing Industry do at Microsoft?" How do you answer that question if you're having a beverage with them? Okay, um, so. With Satya from 2014, Microsoft started a transformation moving from a technology company to a customer-obsessed company. And that is a night and day difference and shift in culture and as well as how we operate and who we are. And, and on that note, when you're a technology company, all you think about is the product that you build, the technology you offer to the world, and you expect them to to actually appreciate that, pay for it, and that's that's what worked for us. Uh, what worked for us for over forty years. When you're a customer company, technology or product is not even relevant to the conversation. All the customer ca- cares about is the outcomes, the results they want to uh, drive or the value they want to extract. And for Microsoft to make the translation, if you will, or transformation from you know, a bunch of products to having a value and then reverse engineering that to a set of capabilities as in technology um, or, or product it is a huge, huge change. So what I do in manufacturing is actually I'm the translator, if you will, interpretation as in what Microsoft has on what we call platform or platforms and what it really means for a manufacturing customer or a supply chain operator and uh, and in, in in reversely, like what what's going on in the market and what customers need and what they will respond to and make that translation at Microsoft from an investment and prioritization and roadmap standpoint. So my job is to build that manufacturing specific strategy and then build that set of capabilities together with engineering at Microsoft and then also plan that go to market and execute with our uh, field sales force. Well, I love the the answer customer obsessed because here at Manufacturing Happy Hour, we are audience obsessed as well. And we're here to talk to you about right. a topic that has come up on the show in many forms before. Digital transformation is going to be a big focal part of this. And, and just to set the stage for anyone out there listening today, you know, the reason we're here is because you and Microsoft, you partnered with The Economist, uh, specifically the Economist Intelligence Unit, to conduct an independent study across eight industries about the lasting changes brought about by pandemic-driven waves of digital transformation. So, and you also, you shared your own some of your own thoughts in an article that you titled, Four Things Manufacturers Should Prioritize as They Prepare for What's Next. So that's why we're here. And, and when I dove into this study, there were some things that I expected and some things that kind of surprised me as I was going for it through it that I'm excited to talk with you today. So maybe we'll start with with one of the most basic things from there. The study found that operational efficiency is the top priority for manufacturing when it comes to digital transformation. Specifically, I think it was like 56% of respondents said that their focus uh, for digital transformation was around operational efficiency. In your own words, Tell me how digital transformation contributes to contributing efficiencies in manufacturing. I'd like to start like one step um, okay. before that. Mm-hmm. Let's look at manufacturing before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And because 
I am a manufacturing person from, from school. I'm an industrial engineer with an MBA and all my internships were in like factories, et cetera. So I'm, I'm not an outsider, you know, looking in and criticizing. I'm just uh, going to state facts as in manufacturing has had 20, 30 year cycles. Manufacturing has never had a compelling reason to really transform or do things differently. Manufacturing operated in silos and um, and it was largely siloed, fragmented. Manufacturing had a lot of data, never really used much of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it was more run by habits and you know processes, et cetera, and by the um, successful past as opposed to insights and data, et cetera. So once we established this, once the pandemic hit, manufacturing stopped by and large because they had no visibility into their operations without people on the shop floor and the factories. Uh, They were not able to do anything. Um, They were not able to remotely operate. And um, and that just caused a huge problem. So what we're seeing now in terms of let's come to manufacturing uh, and the pandemic and get to digital transformation. Now manufacturers want to be, need to be desperately ready for the next disruption. Hopefully it's not a pandemic, but whatever mm-hmm. disruption that may be, they are trying to build digital capabilities, particularly remote capabilities, right? Before operational efficiency, it's just business continuity. It's it's survival. It's, you know, um, being able to resume your operations and be able to operate, right? So let's start there. And digital, quote unquote, by and large, will, will give you that ability. And so we're building one after the other. Um, and we'll, we'll, we can come to those examples. Now, when it comes to operational efficiency, I think it's best. So let's let me make one more general statement. Manufacturing, as we know it, is completely transformed already. Whether you know it or not, as a, as a leader in manufacturing, whether you understand the art of possible and already uh, taking your organization to that direction, or not, you know, it's like it has already, the cheese has moved already, is, you know, as I like to say, right? So so why? I think the um, um, it's best manifested in, you know, in, in terms of the examples. I'll start with a very pandemic and manufacturing related example, what we did in the, uh, in the UK with UK Ventilator Challenge. So we said manufacturing takes years to set up. It's a very high barrier to entry, very high investment, et cetera. In a, a matter of days, we were able to set up a manufacturing capability uh, through a consortium uh, to build um, actually ventilators and um, and um, and those much needed uh, devices for to deal with the pandemic. And we were able to fit 10 years worth of production into 10 weeks with the new digital capabilities. That's a, that's the UK Ventilator Challenge Consortium, right? Can you can you be more operationally efficient than that? I doubt it. Um, we with Ericsson, which you know we we started this um, greenfield digital factory in the US. Ericsson being um, you know a Swedish leader, um, their first 5G lighthouse factory. But when the pandemic hit, they actually accelerated transformation. Now, what we're looking at uh, from from um, I think from what uh, five months ago, once we once we were like you know we we were public with it, hundred and twenty percent productivity increase, reduction in lead time for production by seventy five percent, 
reduction in inventory by 50%, and I can go on, on, and on. Now, reduction by of inventory by 50% for someone like an like Ericsson with billions of dollars tied in inventory, it's just a lot of money that that you otherwise would not have had access to. Now, um, you, you look at other like. Output increases, quality increases, reduction in defects. Otokumpu, a steel manufacturer, huge example. Quality defects reduction by 40%. Another example of like we started our partnership and transformation, and then they 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 went through the pandemic, not losing focus, and now you're looking at um, not only you know a, a defect reduction, but also. 10 to 15% less energy used from a sustainability standpoint in their in their entire set of operations. I can go on and on, but these examples tell you like there is no other way than adopting technology and making it core to your I'm 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 going to not even say operations. I'm going to start with core to your culture. Mm. Because because by and large Again, you know, for, for the leader, I coined, I said Arto Possible. That's what I like to say for manufacturing leaders, right? It's like, do you understand how your world has already changed? Do you understand what technology, how it already disrupted or changed, you know, um, how, you, how you should operate? That's the Arto Possible. And then um, can you bring everyone along? Because can you, like you have tens if not hundreds of thousands of employees when when it comes to a large manufacturer can you convince everyone to think differently behave differently make decisions differently operate differently that that is the start um uh, christopher of of any kind of real transformation and technology is just a tool it is the leader it is a cultural change it is the vision and ability to execute actually is what we're really talking about here yeah there's there's a lot in that answer, and I'm and I'm glad we started there, and I'm glad you took us back as well, because when we talk about operational efficiencies, when when the pandemic hit, you're right, survival mode was first priority, then it was operational efficiencies, and a lot of people that was that was kind of their wake up call in a lot of ways. You mentioned a lot of good examples of you know taking something that would have taken ten years to being able to create a PPE line in a, a significant fraction of that time. And then you got into some of those metrics, improving quality, all the things that go along with operational efficiencies. You hinted at sustainability a bit. I want to ask you a little bit about that here uh, a little later. But I think tying culture and operations is huge. And that's where I kind of want to go next, because one of the things that might be less obvious when you hear about some of these results or for those that might dive into this uh, this study is out of the eight industries micro, um, you guys looked at at Microsoft, manufacturing was number one where COVID-19 triggered an increase in the use of technology for employee engagement. And I feel that kind of ties back to the cultural aspect you're talking about. So can you go into that a bit more? How does technology foster employee engagement in manufacturing? So um, I will say in a number of ways. One is actually Microsoft is a manufacturer as well. So let's look at the mm -hmm. HoloLenses. Let's look at the PCs or Surface Hubs, etc. And we've been a manufacturer and a relatively uh, sizable supply chain for some time. What we realized, uh, Christopher, was um, when we went to an executive uh, meeting, everyone had a different version of truth because data was not, you know, was on paper. Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoints, and everyone used data to make their point to their advantage. So meetings were like, you know, um, uh, 
points of view, selfish points of view, not optimizing for the company or the operation, right? So, so with that as a backdrop, so one engagement opportunity is once you connect your enterprise, once you connect to your data sources, once you are able to reason over your data and operate on insights, on intelligence that the data is providing to you, and everyone looking at the same version of truth, that actually things um, accelerate. And your you know, more forward thinking, more flexible, more open-minded executives will lead the way in that it's a very different level of engagement. Now, what we did as far as, as after we started with the connectivity, we kind of made that available, accessible to the shop floor. So now today, manufacturing uh, people at Microsoft, manufacturing those PCs and the HoloLenses, et cetera, they at the shop floor, they have like touch screens and they're able to like double click on stuff, act on predictions, et cetera. That is extremely empowering. So those people, used to be like uh, kind of doing repetitive tasks. Now they're feeling like I'm doing high value tasks, right? I am actually, you know, uh, and empowered. And so another aspect of the same thing is once you uh, technologically equip those people, not not limited to those uh, touch screens, but I mentioned HoloLenses, right? So, so HoloLens actually does a lot to do with the manufacturing environment where, you know, we've seen this with, um, with BAE in the UK, again, our own operations and a mm-hmm. number of other, uh, other manufacturers, right? So you put your HoloLens on, you have two hands free, and then although you may be like, your, it may be your day one, Mm-hmm. And and you're assembling something and you're looking at how to do it. Someone is, you know, like that that whole guide, if you will, like a, or a, or an interactive manual is showing you how to do it. What we've seen is more than 50 percent, uh, you know, efficiency increase. Plus, I as a new employee, you know, again, like I'm I'm manufacturing, I'm assembling, I'm making stuff from day one. So I feel very, very engaged. Similarly. You know, I may be, um, uh, again, a technical person or dealing with a complexity. I dial back a, um, um, a, a central kind of location, a more experienced employee, and they look at what I look at and they tell me what to do, you know, again, in a, in a, in a live fashion. Now, you, you talked about engagement. Now, I can engage even my retired employees. Manufacturing is, is actually dealing with a huge skills gap. The, mm-hmm. the experienced workers are going away. Now they don't have to. They can even help through remote assist, through um, um, uh, you know, uh, sitting in their home, not doing physical tasks, not you know, like, but still be feel useful, still be part of the workforce, and then empowering the uh, the, the 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 field workers, and you, th- that engagement. So we talk about manufacturing being you know in like all manual, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now imagine coming to a manufacturing environment and you're wearing HoloLenses, you're using touchscreens, you're using data, mm-hmm. and suddenly it's not like dark ages anymore. So your personal life where you have your phone and social apps, etc., is actually even inferior to what you have in your working environment. And then manufacturing can actually attract new uh, new talent that way. 
and then can become a quote unquote a sexier industry, if you will, for millennials or or younger generations to consider manufacturing as a career opportunity. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but there's so many aspects <laughs> of this workforce, starting with the engagement. But these are just some examples that comes to mind, Christopher. No, absolutely. And it, it's funny. I was just leading a discussion on AR and VR uh, earlier this week, and, and HoloLens came up as part of that conversation as one of the probably leading solutions for being able to engage the workforce, being able to complete tasks more effectively, you know, capture the knowledge of people that are about to retire or have retired, which I wanted to ask you about that. Are there people that are retired now that are becoming more engaged because I, I see that as an interesting thing as someone, you know, my my dad just retired recently and I, I feel like that's a really interesting way to get someone that let's say spent their career in manufacturing back engaged by, you know, having these virtual tools, these digital tools that allow them to to be on the plant floor again or on the shop floor, so to speak. Are you seeing these things happen? Um, I can't say this number of people this number of people retired and they came back to the workforce sure. what i what, what i can say is like what i've seen at ThyssenKrupp, an industrial um you know giant leader um in germany and mm -hmm. tetapack another one based out of sweden um packaging and processing leader from uh, from a liquid and like milk and juice at such a standpoint they they both employ have been actually using hololens and and remote assist very effectively for mm -hmm. a very long time and what i know is that those central locations are more experienced uh they they've been able to keep um the the more elderly workforce operational and engaged uh w w whom they would otherwise have lost to return yeah, that's pretty. So, that, that, so those are just two examples that I know of. Yeah, no, that that that's great because I I just know um, I'm kind of a workaholic, but I think I got that from my dad. I know even though he's retiring, he'll be keeping busy. I think it's a a fun way to keep uh, the 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 that generation engaged. We'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor. If you're an equipment manufacturer, distributor, or dealer of industrial equipment, and you're looking to accelerate your profits through online sales, you're going to want to get to know this week's sponsor. Gen Alpha Technologies makes it easier for companies like you to do business through one of the most robust e-commerce platforms for the B2B industrial world. Let's be honest, a lot of manufacturers are still looking for ways to increase market share. They want to deliver a better, an exceptional level of customer service and they are still looking to execute a digital transformation that's powered by e-commerce. Gen Alpha can be your partner that helps you accomplish all of these things. What I love about Gen Alpha is that unlike other e-commerce providers, the team over at Gen Alpha has been in your shoes. They've lived and breathed manufacturing and heavy industry. They ask the difficult and necessary questions because they know the questions to ask. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash genalpha to listen to our interview with their president and COO, Christina Harrington. There, you can find a direct link to their e-commerce readiness assessment, or you can check them out for yourself at genalpha.com. Gen Alpha understands firsthand the promise that manufacturers have to fulfill when helping their customers keep equipment running. That's why they're not only your software provider, but also your business partner. That's Gen Alpha Technologies. And now, back to today's episode.
Another area I want to go with this, though, you've talked about distributed workforces in the past. I understand this is something that's a, a focus of yours as well. And and that's an interesting one for manufacturing, because when I think manufacturing, you know, aside from this example we were just giving, it feels like an industry where you're going to need to be like at the shop, you know, to do these type of things at the factory. Can you maybe share some insights of how manufacturing is becoming more distributed um, beyond what we just spoke about? Oh, absolutely. Um, my example there will be Unilever. Um, mm -hmm. Again, um, you know, and, and, and the, from a capability standpoint, I'll use digital twins, right? So people think of digital twins as a, as a digital a replica of a physical asset. Now, take that notion and apply it to a space where there are multiple assets, and then, and then assume that all of these assets are actually defined in the, in the parameters or context of a space in relation to one another and, uh, and be able to generate data. And now what you are also able to do in the context of the digital twins kind of capability that we are building um, and is, is that interactivity between the physical and the digital worlds as in it becomes a dynamic uh, kind of relationship. And then take that to your ability to actually monitor the physical through that digital twin replica. And then that is a starting point. The next step would be be able to run predictions and project into the future in terms of what will need maintenance when, what will break down when, you know, what kind of spare parts will you need, what kind of manpower will you need to actually deal with what's, uh, what is likely to happen. So I'll stop there because I can go way ahead of like there's digital twins of supply chains and, you know, so, mm -hmm. but let's not go there. Let's stop here. Now, with that as a backdrop, imagine, um, your ability, this is exactly what Unilever did, your ability to actually look at your operations, monitor your assets, look at your yield metrics, your throughput, your quality, your, your uh, you know, carbon emissions and all of those things remotely. And that ability actually does a number of things. One, it mm -hmm. gives you business continuity. Like you can't send anyone to the factory. You can still have the factory operate. Or mm -hmm. you can just do it with way less number of people than um, than otherwise is possible. This is how the lights out manufacturing concept comes to life. Like you can you can keep operating and you don't need the people. Two, actually, you will never not need people. You will you will just use them at a di very different level. So from a right. people engagement and fulfillment, actually they are doing again high value mm -hmm. jobs, not repetitive and boring and you know tasks, right? So um, um, and uh, and you know all of this. So we're now I think over a hundred plants at Unilever in terms of giving them like one digital twin of 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 each of their plants after another, and um, and this is uh, this is one where. Um, that uh, that that you know operational capability, that remote operations, and enablement of people in a very very different way, uh, ensuring business continuity comes into picture. Awesome example. Love the Unilever picture that you painted, as well as discussing digital twin. I think this is a real tangible example that that has come up on the show before that our audience does grasp. And, and I think what we've covered so far. The, these these might be some of the areas that when people think 
digital transformation. Okay, operations, skills gap, digital twin. I think those are some of the things that, let's say, might naturally come to mind for someone that's in manufacturing and has been talking about these things. I found some things that really jumped out at me in the study that that you had done in that respondents to it said diversity and inclusion, skill building, which we talked about, and climate change were some of the biggest places where digital transformation could have a societal benefit. And I feel like those are some of the areas that when you're thinking digital transformation, not all of those necessarily jump to the front of your mind right away. So I'd love to go into a couple of those. And let's let's start with the first one. How, how does digital transformation impact diversity and inclusion? I'll go back to, I always go back to and give you a long answer, so I apologize sure. for it. But what we're talking about is is um, is actually a historical moment, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll go back to uh, the transition from agriculture to industry. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a hundred years ago. We're talking more than fifty percent uh, of the workforce in the U.S. being in agriculture. Now it's less than two percent, but we have uh, actually, po- po- particularly pre-pandemic, we have uh, you know unprecedented low levels of uh, unemployment. Right. So so what we did effectively is we took the workforce and agriculture, reskilled them into industrial. Now we're at the historical junction moving from uh, people from industrial to digital. OK, it's, it's you know, and so um, so on that note, once. You are um, you have the new skill set of like data. Mm-hmm. Uh, acting on intelligence, being able to um, reinvent your skill set. If you're a, if you're a designer or innovator, be able to kind of innovate in the holographic environment. If you're part of a global engineering or design uh, realm, be able to actually speak your own language, but but be able to work together with someone in China and someone in Bangladesh and someone in Argentina simultaneously real time with technology translating for you you be you being able to look at a hologram a design that that is in front of you without you leaving the space so imagine the geographical boundary the mm-hmm. cultural boundary the language boundary the times all of that going away and you being able to work with whomever you like now with that in mind, with all these supply chains and you know uh, ma- large manufacturers being global, you can actually build that new workforce. Now, why do we need a new workforce? Uh, World Economic Forum study says 75 million jobs will be lost because of digital. 135 million new jobs will be created because of digital. And in manufacturing, we know for a fact, if you uh, look at uh, Deloitte's um, Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute research by 2028, there's going to be over 2 million unfulfilled manufacturing jobs in the mm-hmm. U.S. And mm-hmm. that's a potential economic impact of, I think, over $2.5 trillion. That's what we're looking at. So you need everyone to come on board to consider manufacturing and be able to contribute to uh, to the entire value chain, from ideation to design and innovation to design and engineering, to actually making stuff. And making stuff is not limited to large manufacturing facilities anymore. You can be a maker at home, you know, leveraging 3D printing and additive manufacturing, all the way to retailers and distributors and supply. You know, like that that whole thing goes on. And so, um, going back to diversity and inclusion. So, regardless of age. Uh, gender, um, you know, what whatever 
geography, in culture, and even language, and you know, in time, you you can be valuable, you can be productive, and you can be part of supply chains and manufacturing companies or operations. I love that answer. I mean, if I if I were to oversimplify it, probably, I mean, it's ultimately going technology, digital technology, is going to allow us to break down cultural barriers, geographic barriers that were there that in some ways are no longer as much of a barrier. And that really helped me paint the picture of what that means, because that might have been the most it, one of the most interesting comments that I felt jumped out of that. And and, you know, to, to go a, a different direction with with that uh, that response, you know, another part in that conversation was contributing to climate change. And I'd be interested to hear in your own words, why do you feel digital transformation contributes to like a more resilient and sustainable future? Right. Um, so we talked about data a number of times, mm -hmm. right? You cannot manage what you don't measure. If we establish that as a, as a fact, mm -hmm. um, digital gives us the ability to measure and monitor everything. Now, that includes carbon emissions from my operations. That includes my water usage. That includes my um, energy usage and, and, and everything else that comes with it. That also includes, let's look at food value chain. 30% of the food production in the world goes to waste. So imagine you are able to um, stop that waste. Mm -hmm. And so so I can I can take this in any um, any which direction you like from a sustainable sure. standpoint, which is a combination of again carbon emissions and energy and water, etc. Um, mm -hmm. It starts with uh, awareness, awareness informing policy, uh, and then operationally again acting on data. So I I'll, I talked about Otokumpu I think already. They mm -hmm. are 30% greener than the industrial average in Europe because they are connected and they measure their sustainable, particularly carbon emissions. And um, so in, in their steel manufacturing world, one ton less of stainless steel scrap mm -hmm. equals to one ton of carbon uh, emissions. Uh, and so, so they are able to kind of not only measure but actually see see results again in double digits. Uh, Bueller, a, a huge example. They're a, a relatively small, you know, family-owned Swiss company, but they sit in the core of the food value chain. They manufacture those packaging and processing machines. They process the world's coffee and grains. I think over sixty percent of all of it. Uh, wow. their, their machines and and then what they do is actually they they provide full auditability. As they process food, their systems enabled by our technologies and capabilities are able to uh, um, separate toxic food than healthy food. Now, going back to sustainability, what you can do with toxic food, you can eliminate it. We cannot mm -hmm. afford to, we're moving to a 10 billion uh, world population. What, what they do is they're able to track it all the way back to the farm and then teach that farm sustainable practices. Let's talk about irrigation. A huge amount of world's fresh water goes to irrigation. Imagine every irrigation nozzle in every mm -hmm. farm has mm -hmm. is IoT enabled. You can measure everything. And then you do not just waste water. You're very efficient in, in dealing with water. Talk about water, Ecolab comes to mind. Uh, they have this, we built this water risk monetizer 
And then what they do is not only collect and analyze data in terms of real-time uh, water usage, but they also um, they also act on it in terms of how do I uh, how do I rethink how I use water? I mean, textiles, automotive, coffee and food, like huge water users in terms of um, in terms of industry. What you know, one thing I love this example. If I can just bore you to death with my keep going uh, long, keep, long keep answer. this is good <laughs> <laughs> so um, look so many factors use a lot of water we established that so what they do is they set up shop as in plants manufacturing plants by water kind of um a, a resource right they find that reservoir what they do is they pull water from that reservoir fresh water they use the water and they dump it back now imagine in the same reservoir, large, being large enough, industrial clusters take place with, say, 12 plants that do not, that are separated, that, that, that are different brands, et cetera. They, all they do is the same, you know, mm -hmm. take fresh water and dump water. Now imagine the cluster, that's Ecolab's kind of creating awareness. So if, if you think of the reservoir optimization and collect all of these 12 plants and then what you, once you start measuring water, what you realize is actually my output is a good enough quality input for the next plant. So you connect all of them, you recycle and you know you refresh and you reuse, et cetera. Suddenly those clusters can become 100%, uh, you know, 0% net new water usage. So there are those, you just have to think differently you, you start measuring and you understand what you're dealing with and how how uh, limited resources are, particularly water. Um, and so uh, so suddenly magic happens because you're you're you are you are taking action on your on the insights that you are um, you're collecting from data. So so your answer has kind of inspired me to to add this next question there. You covered a lot of great examples in in sustainability from water usage to reducing emissions. I, I'm curious, we've covered a lot of ground in this conversation today. If there's any takeaway, I feel like people are going to walk away with this in manufacturing is that digital transformation literally impacts everything in manufacturing. And I'm, and I'm curious, a personal question for you. Of all the th areas we talked about, distributed workforce, training up the next generation, uh, sustainability, diversity and inclusion, why are you personally so excited about digital transformation in the manufacturing world? Um, because, you know, when you look at my kind of journey, mm -hmm. uh, or Max, I was with Siemens. So, so I, I've been yeah. in technology and industrial space for mm -hmm. a very long time. With Microsoft transforming to a customer and culture, and customer obviously is industry, I am so fortunate, so privileged um, to have the opportunity to actually help manufacturing to get to the next stage, become more sustainable, become more inclusive and diverse, and, and become more efficient and, and innovate faster, grow mm -hmm. faster with less resources, with, with, without the damage to the, to the environment. So life cannot, like, there's no better job. Yeah. <laughs> if that's a good enough answer, like that's that's my personal, um, you know, um, perhaps a, a, if not animated um, uh, response to your question. 
every answer here at manufacturing happy hour is good enough. No, that that was great. I I've I've appreciated feeling your enthusiasm come across the screen and and let's take it back to Bellevue really quickly. Let's say we're getting that someone's pouring us that second glass of wine. As we wrap up, we we've got manufacturing leaders across the board that listen to this show. What's a piece of parting advice that you'd give to leaders in this space that are looking to improve or start their digital transformation journeys? Um, this is going to be a much shorter answer, okay. but we can double click if you like. Um, <laughs> one is awareness, understand mm-hmm. the art of possible and how your world has already changed, and two, take action. Okay. The only thing that you cannot afford to do is not take action or wait. Because cheese has already moved in manufacturing and supply chains. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I had to double click on the actionability, I'd like to say, and I, you know, I've been a record for record for saying this you know, like I don't know how many times, is think big. So have the big vision for the future. Start small, and go fast. So that means do not undertake very large, expensive, multiple year um, um, uh, projects. Just just focus on one outcome, one use case, do that in a couple months, learn from it, either fail or succeed, get to the next one, get to the next one, get to the next one, and, and communicate and bring everyone else along because it's all about culture and it's about all about people. Technology is just a tool. Yep. Killer, killer answer. I had to type out, think big, start small, go fast. I can't think of a more simple way to put it for the audience out there. You know, it's been great having you on the show. Is there anything you wish I would have asked you that that we haven't touched on yet? Um, uh, we this is we cannot consume the opportunity. Um, one thing I will say as as a wrap up. People sometimes I, I, I observe leaders in manufacturing and decision makers are overwhelmed by what is ahead of them. I mean, we said start small, go fast, et cetera. My, my parting thoughts will be lead with opportunity, not with risk. Mm. So share, share data, communicate, have an open mind, talk to others, even your competitors, work with them, think partnerships, think ecosystems, and you know, think differently. Um, and, um, and, but again, take action. I love that. I uh, I have a similar line that I use a lot, and I always say collaboration over competition. I always think of the Venn diagrams of the people I work with or I could be working with, and there are probably a lot more areas where we can help one another versus where we might be competing with one another. So some fire quotes here to, to end this interview. Um, Shalian, I really appreciate having you on today. You know, what's the best way to keep up with what you and Microsoft are doing in, uh, in the manufacturing world? Is there a spot to follow you on social media or what would you recommend? Uh, we're very, very active on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, uh, Microsoft.com, uh, industry. Um, you know, we're, we're very active there writing blogs and, uh, brokering conversations. So we're accessible. And um, we're humbled by the opportunity. Uh, we're, we're very well supported by our partner ecosystem. Everything I said actually is, is representative of Microsoft partner ecosystem, which is, which is our tremendous and perhaps biggest strength. And so, um, so keep the feedback coming. We are 
I like to say Microsoft is one foot in the past and one foot in the future. We are transforming mm. ourselves. We're delivering transformation, but but we're changing who we are as we speak. So it is a joint effort. It's a collaboration, right? Yeah. So keep yeah. the feedback coming. We're learning from these strategic partnerships, from the likes of you, from the likes of Rockwell and others, and all of these strategic partnerships with our customers. So it's it's you know we're in this together. We have one planet. And and we're we're just one big community, um, and uh, that 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 are looking at a major set of challenges, but again, huge opportunity. Uh, that is our joint opportunity. So let's go after it together. Fantastic way to wrap things up. As a as a ten year industry person myself, I've seen Microsoft's collaborative approach. I've seen your partner ecosystem out there. Uh, you're certainly a company that is taking that. Uh, collaboration over competition style and for all the resources mentioned for those listening out there you can head to manufacturinghappyhour.com those will be listed in the show notes for this episode and with that thanks so much for jumping on to today's show hey thanks for listening and a big thanks to shalian and the microsoft team for getting this interview set up we've been wanting to do this one for a while i've been looking forward to it Glad we finally got this episode recorded and released. Hope you enjoyed it. As we said before, there were a lot of resources mentioned in this episode. If you want to learn more about Microsoft and how they serve the manufacturing industry, or if you want to dive deeper into this study or Shalyan's article about it, head on over to manufacturinghappyhour.com 57 for the show notes for this episode. And maybe, I don't know, most importantly, well, if you're in the Seattle area, you can also learn where to get great Italian food and wine at Cantinetta should you find yourself over in Bellevue, Washington. As we wrap up, as I said at the start, if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you straight to that platform on your iPhone or on your desktop. And then finally, I do want to thank our sponsor for today, Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha is the best solution for e-commerce in the manufacturing, in the equipment manufacturing world. If you're looking for a partner that can help you accelerate your profits, drive a digital transformation through e-commerce, or simply create a better customer experience, look no further than Gen Alpha. You can learn more about them in episode 34, where we interview their COO and president, Christina Harrington. The easiest way to get there is manufacturinghappyhour.com slash genalpha. And of course, if you want to learn more about them, head to genalpha.com. With that, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much for sticking around. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.